Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Good Judgment Judgment Podcast. Podcast. Folks, this is a podcast that's purpose is for Georgia judges or anybody else who might be interested in what goes on in the courtroom. Please understand that we are Georgia-focused, meaning that we are going to focus our attention on issues that arise under Georgia law, but occasionally we will get into some subjects of common interest. And we really appreciate you folks listening. And as we go to the studio audience, we ask, please hold your applause till the end. All right, now to the studio. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tame Kell. And today we are going to talk about a subject in criminal law that, I don't know, it it seems to dominate a significant amount of time in my courtroom. Yeah, it's one of those things that can be confusing. But if you sit down and and you read through the statutes, uh, hopefully it becomes clear to you. And hopefully what we're going to tell you today is going to help you with that. And that is the subject of recidivism. Now, remember, we're going to put a uh, brief, which is really a kind of a chart on our website, goodjudgepod.com. And if you have some more of your wonderful, insightful topic ideas, we would love to receive them at our on, on email. Tane, tell folks where we get our email. Yeah, we get our email at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. So please send us any ideas that you have, especially good ones. Well, like this one. Yeah, this one's great. This, 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 is, this is a good one. It's really good. All right. So recidivism under 17.10.7. Most people, well, at least on my side of the world, call them A or C or A and C recidivist. That is all referencing subsections of OCGA 17.10.7. Now, Tane, earlier you talked about reading the statute, and this really does require a little bit of breakdown. I mean, you can get confused on this. Let's start with A. Sure. Uh, OCGA section 17-10-7A applies to a defendant who has any prior felony conviction that's so obviously that's something that has happened before this case originated. So a prior felony conviction, no matter how they were sentenced, even if they got probation or jail time or a combination of both. And if that defendant then commits a subsequent felony in the state, then section A applies. Now, Tane, does that mean that a prior NOLO would apply or prior? I tell you what, let's not use NOLO because that gets confusing. How about a prior first offender sentence? Not a conviction, Wade. So this only applies when they've had a prior conviction. What about a prior conditional discharge? Again, not considered a conviction under Georgia law, so that would not apply. So you do have to look at those things because, for example, a defendant maybe was given conditional discharge, but then failed to do everything they were supposed to do and ultimately ended up getting uh, adjudicated before the court, adjudicated guilty and resentenced. So uh, you got to you got to look closely at those. Now, Tane, just as an aside, I think that sometimes we kind of skip through this. At some point, you got to have some evidence on the record that the defendant, in fact, was previously convicted of a felony. And I that think exactly that sometimes right. you'll see lawyers sort of read their different versions of a GCIC printout. And just kind of say, well, judge, it was in 2003, he had a prior burglary in the first degree for which he had a three in seven out sentence and blah, 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 blah. And you don't ever get the certified copies. Do you ever have that issue? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, 
there, there are a couple of things that, that are important about this. And that's, that's really one of them. Uh, how do you know, how is it presented to you as the judge to show that you should invoke the, uh, penalties uh, that are included under OCGA section 17-10-7. And, and, and I agree with you. I think that you actually have something, have to have something more than them simply reading a GCIC to you on the record. Now let's, let's go back though. How does this get invoked in the first place? I well, mean, like how do, as a judge, I know whether I should or shouldn't invoke a 17-10-7? Well, really, it's up to the prosecutor because the prosecutor must file a motion or a notice, I guess is the better word, that whatever subsection he or she believes is applicable to this case is, in fact, applicable. So, for example, it is not sufficient for the prosecutor to think they have a plea agreement. Finally, at the last minute, they don't have a plea agreement. And I think the statutes say that it must be done pre-trial, don't they, Tane? Yes, yes, they do. And, and it has so to be written, right? It does have to be written. They have to file a notice uh, so that the other side is 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 upon notice uh, that the recidivism statute will apply in that case. So let's you talked about punishment. So what must the judge do? Let's assume we have a valid notice. Let's assume we have one prior valid conviction. And then if the defendant is convicted, for this being the second time, right? there was appropriate notice filed, timely notice filed. What must the judge do? The judge in that case under, under subsection A must impose the maximum sentence for those particular crimes that are being um, to which the defendant, for which the defendant is being convicted. Um, however, uh, those may be probated. Uh, there could be um, some you know, some portion of it that's probated. Um, and um, for that, the defendant could also potentially get parole. All right. So I got a tester for you. You ready? I didn't know there was going to be any hard questions. Can you get probation? Can you probate a life sentence? Um, yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> you did that I on purpose. For that. I was waiting for your cool sound effect. You 100% did that on purpose, didn't you? <laughs> yes, you cannot you cannot probate a life sentence because how how would you? I mean, uh, what 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 would the probation I mean, be on that? There are some, you... there are some offenses, sex offenses particularly that have probation for life as one right. of the sentences. As a matter of fact, mandatory. But you can't probate a sentence you can't probate, suspend, or stay any part of a life sentence. Therefore, when we say that part of the sentence can be probated, that sort of presupposes that the sentence is not life. That's right. But if you impose a life sentence, you can't probate it, whether there is recidivism notice or not. Now, Tane, let's talk about under A, under subsection A, can you get parole? Yes, under subsection A, you can get parole, and that's one of the differences between A and C. So now what you're going to see when you look on Good Judge Pod and you grab this handy-dandy chart and memo that we have, you're going to see a chart on the bottom of the first page that says, if it's your second felony, you must be sentenced to the maximum. If life is the maximum, you've got to give them life. That's right you may probate it unless it's a life sentence. 
they are eligible for parole. If it's their third offense, it's exactly the same scenario. Mm -hmm. You must give them the maximum, even if it's a life sentence. The probation, yes, you can probate, suspend, or whatever, any part of it, except a life sentence. And parole, that person's absolutely eligible. But, Tane, what if it's the defendant's 14th felony conviction and they get notice not under A or under A and C or just C? What's the difference between fourth or subsequent felony? Sure. The, the, the biggie, the worst, is that you have to give the maximum. Uh, they, it, it can still be probated some portion of it if it's not life, but they cannot get pro parole for any of the confinement portion of that sentence. So to the door, we were talking about that earlier, the <laughs> origins of that phrase, not a hundred percent on that, but they are not eligible for parole. That is true. Correct. So they'll do day for day of the confinement portion of the sentence. All right. So what we have in a couple of pages of this memo are examples. And what you'll see, for example, if the defendant is charged with aggravated assault, I'm, I'm trying to go with something that you and I may know the maximum sentence for aggravated assault is. 20 years. 20 years. If you sentence that person to 10 years in prison and they have prior recidivism notice, appropriate timely recidivism notice, we're going to assume that for the rest of this conversation, okay? Okay. That's an illegal sentence. Correct. You have to give them the maximum, which is 20 years. Now, could you say 20 to serve serve the first two balance probated. We would call that two in 18 out. Right. Yes. You can do that. And that person is eligible for parole, correct? Yes. Under a right. Okay. So Tane, let's assume yes. that somebody had notice under subsection a, and they are now charged, convicted of rape, arm robbery, or kidnapping. The maximum sentence for those three offenses is life. Okay. If you gave that person 20 years to serve, that's a invalid sentence. That's an illegal sentence. You must, the, the recidivism note notice sort of locks your, locks your hands or, or ties your hands. I guess I should say you must give the maximum sentence. You can probate some of it, but you, can you must give the maximum sentence aha except you can't probate any part of a life sentence right so on those offenses the sentence would be life and they'd have to hope for parole if it's an a um recidivism notice now i guess i kind of gave you a trick question because kidnapping with bodily injury carries a potential max sentence of life without the possibility of parole. Right. Even if it's your second offense, you must sentence to the max. You know you can't give anybody a death sentence. So if it's a murder case, you can't give somebody a death sentence. Right. The jury has to do that. But life without 
if that's the maximum sentence, you must impose it and you can't make any kind. I mean, life without means life without. So they're not parole eligible. Agreed? Yes, that's correct. All right. So, so, so let me throw one thing in here, Wade, just so, you know, in case there's somebody out there who's, again, raising their hand going, ooh, 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 ooh. Is there was any that, was that guy Horshack? Yeah, Horshack. Oh, Mr. Kata. Um, if there is, is there any difference, Wade, in the fact that uh, recidivism notice has been served, and then the defendant pleads guilty? Doesn't oh, that's get a big convicted. Get convicted by a jury, but he decides to go ahead and take the guilty plea. So this is when the the judge has got to be sharp and, and on his or her game. If the defendant suddenly pleads guilty, one of the things I do early in the process is make sure that I understand what the plea agreement is. And one of the things specifically you must do as a part of your plea analysis and, and reciting the plea agreement is that you must clarify whether the recidivism notice is being waived or not. Or withdrawn. Okay. If Same thing. You know. Potato, potato, Cobb, yeah, but, Richmond. But some people, some some people may have different vernacular in their local jurisdiction. So it's waived, it's withdrawn, whatever you want to call it. If it is waived or withdrawn, fine, go forward, sentence the person to either whatever the plea agreement is, if you think it's satisfactory, or whatever other sentence you think is satisfactory. Ignore ignore this episode of the Good Judgment Podcast. Yes. On the other hand, if it is not waived. You absolutely 100% must go through the plea colloquy. That's your word, colloquy. Right. You have to go through the plea colloquy, and you have to tell the defendant that he or she will not be eligible for parole because of the non-waiver or withdrawal of the uh, aggravation notice is what we've always called it. Uh, the seventeen ten seven A or C notice that they would not be eligible for parole under C if the C notice was appropriate. Failure to do that, you get your case back from you from our colleagues on the appellate bench. Yeah, and that and case is going to be reversed. The other thing that that you can get screwed up on is. The state doesn't withdraw or, or waive its recidivism notice that they've already filed, but then they agree to a subsequent plea deal that doesn't give the defendant the maximum. So it's a sentence, uh, let's say it's under A, but it's a sentence that normally or, or a crime for which it would normally carry a life sentence, and they've agreed, as you said a minute ago, to 20 to serve. Well, that's an illegal sentence. You, you can't sentence the defendant to that unless and until they waive or withdraw that recidivist notice because uh, the statute says that you don't have that authority. So I'm going to give you an example of something that may not be as evident. Let's say, for example, and this is not, I will not ask you this test question, Tank. Thank you. If a defendant has two prior burglaries and then gets convicted of a third burglary, no other record. With a notice, again, this is not the fourth, this is the third. You, Tane, sentences the defendant to 20 years, served two, balance probated, two in, 18 out. Let's call it that. That's actually an illegal sentence. And I need to make sure that we're clear that while we're talking about maximums, there are also some minimums. 
And when I'm talking about burglary, I'm talking about first degree. Burglary has on a third burglary, you must receive no less than five years to serve. Or the sentence must be no less than five years, I think is the way it's phrased. Since you have a recidivism notice, you have you can't go below five. And you must give that five. So just as much as you are concentrating on maximums, 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 and probate and parole and all of that, make sure you look at the what the minimum is too, because if the minimum is applicable, then you would have to do that as well. Now let me Tane, I have not I don't think I have ever seen a case under seventeen ten seven B, the 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 stepchild of the seventeen ten sevens. Have you? I was not sure that there was a B. I thought maybe it was one of those things where they just mislabeled them and they skipped over it. And then one day I looked at the session and I'm like, oh, there is a B. That's that's amazing. So what what we really call what we call seven deadly sins, which is really about twelve different crimes. Right. The if somebody has a prior seven deadly sin and commits a subsequent seven deadly sin, that's what B is applicable to. I've never had one. I'm sure other people have. Most of our folks travel under A or C. I don't think I've ever had a B. With all due respect, we've got a whole big outline on B. Y'all, y'all consult that if y'all need to consult B, where you have a seven deadly sin and then you have a subsequent seven deadly sin. Which let's really let's concentrate seven. instead on C. What did I say? No, I said, which is not really seven. There's really more than seven. Yeah, it's like we 12, call it I think. Seven. Yeah, we call it seven deadlies. But seven deadly, like, wasn't there a movie about seven deadly sins or something? There was a great movie with Brad Pitt called Seven. If you haven't seen it out there, folks, absolutely go, go see that movie. It's fantastic. How bad did you just date yourself? I've watched that movie like 10 times. It's a great movie. If a defendant, let's let's move on to C instead of having Mr. Ebert here to do his uh, movie <laughs> reviews. Let's go on to let's go on to seventeen ten seven C. If you have three or more prior felonies, so we are on fourth or subsequent. It's not three strikes. You get three strikes and one more at bat, I guess. Who commits a subsequent felony? That, and the state gives notice, the same kind of notice, pretrial notice it has to do under 17107A and C or just C or however you want to look at it. The judge must give the maximum sentence possible. We've, we've clarified that. Though the judge must give that maximum, he or she has the discretion to probate, suspend, or stay some part of that, unless it's a life sentence. You know, it's got exception to the exception. However, and this is where C becomes the, the relevant thing. If there is any part of that that involves incarceration, it must be served without parole. Correct? That's right. And the other, and the other big issue there is, don't forget, if the maximum sentence is life, then you cannot probate, suspend, or stay any of that sentence for that that has a life as the maximum sentence if the maximum sentence is life without parole you must impose a sentence of life without parole you don't get to choose what the maximum sentence is if it is life without the possibility of parole and the defendant is convicted you must impose that sentence there are a number of cases that have talked about exactly that where the maximum sentence is life without 
that it's a capital felony and therefore you can't impose a death sentence. So, so that doesn't apply, but you have to impose a sentence of life without parole in that scenario. You know, there was a, there were a line of cases that talked about 1710.7c not applying to capital felonies. You remember that? Yeah, going way back. Well, I want to refer everybody to a very quick citation that will make this a non-issue. In a case called Kimbrough, K-I-M-B-R-O-U-G-H, V-State. Reading law during a podcast is not awesome. Well, you know, I got to give everybody their love. They know they're tired of this. This is 300 Georgia 516, 300 Georgia 516, a 2017 case. There is an end note number two. It talks about this case called Thunderburk. That'd be a great name. Thunderburk, F-U-N-D-E-R-B-U-R-K V state. That was a 2003 case in Kimbrough that says, look, at the time of Thunderburk's case, the law was 1710.7c didn't apply to capital felonies. And then the end note, and I'm just going to read it. This is the end note number two in Kimbrough. As we have previously noted, in 2010, the General Assembly amended OCGA 1710.7c to remove the exception for capital felonies. What that means is that there were there are a lot of cases and you may get them handed to you as authority for the proposition that 17107 does not apply to capital felonies that is no longer the law that's right and you know what was cool about you reading that what was that cuz cuz even though you read the law and that's not awesome an angel got its wings because somebody read a stat there was a statute included in it that's so awesome that's so cool. so, so no applause for you. No, I'm just kidding. Every time a statue decided, an angel gets his wings. Folks, this is Wade Paget, and I'm Tame Kell. Thank you for putting up with our foolishness and silliness as we try to educate, but also entertain here on the Good Judgment Podcast. Good night. <laughs> Good night, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. This podcast was originally the brainchild of Mr. Doug Ashworth, who is the executive director of ICJE. Special thanks to the University of Georgia College of Law, and specifically to Mr. Jim Henneberger. Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, for editing out as much of our stupidity as he can. But he can't get it all. We are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead NJO, that's New Judge Orientation, for new Superior Court Judges and for their support of this project. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions of CSCJ, ICJE, the UGA College of Law, or anyone else for that matter. These are barely the opinions of Wade Paget and Tang Kell, so we definitely aren't speaking for anyone else. You can contact us on our website, goodjudgepod.com. Or send us an email at goodjudgepod at gmail.com. So, Tane, I guess we better bang the gavel on this episode. Anything else you feel like we need to say? Only stay classy, San Diego. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Men Podcast. 